Hi, this is Jamie Escudere, and welcome to another episode of Nonsense. Although I hate that we have to, I'm afraid that we have to talk about war. It will come as little surprise to those of you who know me even a little bit that I am no fan of war and violence, and I'm not someone who uh, relishes in the thought of our military going all over the world and beating other people up. In fact, I hate that idea. It will perhaps come as a little bit more of a surprise, though, to know that I am not a pacifist, that I pretty much subscribe to the theory of war that John Stuart Mill subscribed to. And he said that war is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. That the decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling which thinks that nothing is worth war is much worse. The person who has nothing for which he is willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety, is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the the exertions of better men than himself. In other words, sometimes you have to go to war. And of course, I'm talking about this now because there's a disastrous situation happening in Syria between the the Turks and the Kurds. And we are the cause of that situation because we broke our promise. Now, I want to look a little bit briefly at the history of the use of the United States military in my lifetime. So for the last 40 years or so, I have on several occasions seen the U.S. military deployed to protect um, capitalist interests and, you know, oil. So we've been to Iraq twice just to protect um, oil. And yet in my lifetime, I don't know that I've ever seen the U.S. military deployed to protect human life. So in 1994, of course, there was the Rwandan genocide. It's estimated that as many as a million people, think about this, a million people over the course of 100 days were executed in Rwanda. We didn't get involved. We didn't get involved in Darfur. And we're not getting involved in the Rohingya genocide that is happening right now. And yet we have this military. We have this $700 billion military, the most expensive military in the world. And so it raises questions as to why we have it and what it's for and when should we use it. And should we use it in defense of the Kurds? who are now being slaughtered by the Turks? And the answer, of course, is yes. And so let me explain why the answer is yes, and then try to think through how. The answer is yes, because our foreign policy, which keeps us safe from attack and heartens our allies, depends upon the trustworthiness of our word. We don't have a good job of keeping our word. And let me give you some examples just from recent history. So let's talk about someone named Muammar Gaddafi. You probably remember Gaddafi. Gaddafi was a terrible person. He was a dictator in Libya. He was, it's believed, the mastermind of the Lockerbie bombing, which was, of course, an airplane that went was blown up in midair over Lockerbie, Scotland. And I remember when I was in the, a young kid in early 80s, we even, the U.S. military bombed his, I think his palace and killed one of his children. But, but, 
Years after that, Gaddafi came around somewhat and admitted that he was developing nuclear and chemical weapons, and he agreed to stop the development of those weapons um, if he could have some sort of relationship with the West. And so he did, and he did. I don't know if you remember, but I mean, Tony Blair visited him. I think Gaddafi even visited, believe it or not, I think he visited Donald Trump's estate in New York. So that was an example of, we kind of made a promise, right? If you stop um, the development of your nuclear weapons, then we will um, at least, I guess, support you somewhat. But then, of course, there was a, a revolution in Libya, and Gaddafi was killed, and... Part of the way he was killed involved a NATO airstrike on him. So that was, that was a betrayal. All right. So that's an example of we didn't keep our word. Another example. We said, President Obama said that if uh, al-Bashar, the dictator in Syria, used chemical weapons in that war, that would be, quote, a red line. And then it was proven that he did use nuclear, uh, he did use chemical weapons and uh, which means he crossed the red line with no consequences. And then, of course, this current situation where we allied with the Kurds to fight ISIS in Syria. And by all accounts, the Kurds kept their end of the deal and they were very effective. And our alliance with the Kurds kept the Turks out because the Turks did not like uh, the Kurdish forces so close to their border. And by doing that, uh, we kept our promise. The, we, the Kurds fought with us and for us against ISIS, and our presence there kept Turkey out. So what happened recently, of course, is that we broke our promise. We told Turkey that we would no longer protect the Kurds, and now the Turks are slaughtering the Kurds. In other words, yet again, we broke our promise. So now, why does that matter? Well, of course, it matters to the Kurds, but it matters to a lot of other people everywhere across the world. So what does it mean? What does that mean to the South Koreans who have relied upon U.S. promises that we will defend them against attack from the North Koreans? What does that mean to the Taiwanese uh, who, of course, are hoping that if China were to make some sort of invasion, which China has wanted to do for decades, that they could rely upon U.S. support. And that's what's kept the peace in Taiwan for all that time. What does it mean to the Japanese? So you probably know that Japan has been heavily engaged in a debate about whether to change the nature of their military from what it is now, which is strictly a self-defense force, to a more conventional military, which has offensive force. And one of the arguments against changing the nature of their military is that, well, they, we can rely upon the United States to protect us. And of course, one of the arguments in in against doing that is, well, the, the United States is completely and totally unreliable. And we can't rely on them, so we need our own strong military. This, of course, emboldens China to maybe act against Japan. It emboldens North Korea to act against Japan. It emboldens Russia to throw its weight around more. All of this, all of which makes us weaker at home because it means not only that if our allies know that they can't rely upon us, it also means that we cannot rely upon our allies. And even though Donald Trump and most of the Republican Party probably has never read or heard of Maya Angelou, it doesn't change the fact that she was right when she said that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone.
Now, why am I talking about this and who am I? I'm talking about it because yesterday I was at an anti-Trump rally and someone asked me what I would do about the situation in Syria. And at the moment, last night, yesterday afternoon, I felt I had a very clear answer, which was to say to Turkey, you have 48 hours to get Turkish troops back within the Turkish border, after which time, if they're not within the Turkish border, then U.S. forces will force them back. In other words, I felt that this was one of the very rare circumstances where use of military force was appropriate, not only in defense of our Kurdish allies, but more importantly, in defense of our honor and the force and reliability of our word in order to maintain the global peace that is premised upon the reliability of our word. But just this morning, I read predictably that the Kurds have now allied with Syria. And so now Syria and the Kurds are united in forcing uh, Turkey back. And so now how can we come to defense of the Kurds without also coming to defense of Syria, which is our enemy and which is being led by a brutal dictatorship which engaged in chemical warfare? And so I tell you plainly that I don't know what to do. Things are changing so fast, perhaps by five o'clock this afternoon, the situation will change yet again, and I'll feel like I know again. The point is this, the overarching point is this, this is what happens when we become a country that is at war with itself. When we become a country of teams, Team Democrat and Team Republican, one of the huge effects is on our foreign policy, where a subsequent president feels that it's completely okay to undermine the promises made by a prior president because they were of a different party. Because the rest of the world doesn't operate in four-year periods. The rest of the world is counting on the United States to keep its word and to know that when the United States says something, even if there's an administration change, it, the word of the country can be relied upon. And so our failure of national unity is causing death immediately right now in Syria and I'm afraid could have very serious consequences for other countries around the world. And ultimately coming back to us. Because we can only expect other countries to be as reliable in our defense as we are in theirs. And at the moment, our record is pretty shameful. Thanks for listening.